Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Wednesday is here. Yeah, how about that? The middle of the week already. Easter at the end of the week. A lot of people on spring break this week. If not this week, then next week, spring break. And we roll into April already. Baseball season starts officially tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm excited for that. Opening day always means something to me. Everybody knows I'm an old baseball guy, and I like baseball, particularly the start. This is PK. DJ's off today. We'll have a special guest sitting in later in the show. I think you'll enjoy it. We are bound to argue over stuff that doesn't mean anything, but we're going to have some fun there. That's what we do when we get together. All the time. I've uh, done many appearances uh, on his show and his show uh, and um, him on my show and uh, shows together. And we've had a lot of fun. Look forward to that coming up in just about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, thanks for joining us. As I said, tomorrow being opening day, I especially love opening day when I live in a colder weather city. Living in Arizona and then moving over to the Los Angeles area, not much. But going back to my original roots in New Jersey, man, I absolutely loved it. Because that meant spring was here. For me, spring, the advent of spring, I have two things, really three things. Since my wife's been a teacher for a number of years and got kids in school, still have a sophomore doing some track stuff for Brighton. How about that? Uh, With that in mind... Although I guarantee you, if you go to a Brighton track meet, you would never pick her out. (laughs) Is that true, Yuck? You'll never be able to pick her out. (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) Just leave it at that. (laughs) So I still got uh, just a little over two more years before the high school stuff is over. And uh, so spring break always was a signal of spring was arriving. And the Canyons District uh, getting ready to go on spring break. And then opening day in baseball always meant something to me. That's for sure. Especially then, the the first place I lived and the fourth place I've lived, which is here and now is the fourth place. And the first first place was back east. And, man, much, much more uh, of difficult weather in terms of winter that you get there than you do where we live. Plus, you're just a few hours away. You can go south and have a good time and have it be warm. Down in the St. George area, Mesquite and Vegas, we've all done that uh, run down there. And I'm sure those areas are going to be swamped. They're probably already swamped as far as that goes. And uh, so that's one. And then the complete and total advent of spring is the Masters, which is next week, I think, right? Yeah, and excited for that. Once I see those flowers there in that course, I've never been there. Been to Atlanta for work a few times, uh, but I've never made my way over to the Masters in Augusta. I suppose one of these times, maybe, probably, will uh, be there. I also want to play uh, that sawgrass course outside of Jacksonville. I've been there. I haven't played it. Uh, problem with me is my wife's a golfer, so whatever I have to spend on green fees double it we were at pebble beach once and uh, she walked we're in the pro shop there and she asked uh what's your green fees and i think there's probably seven eight years ago and they said 695 dollars and she says what's your twilight rate and they said 695 dollars <laughs> they don't have a twilight rate so 
uh, I don't know, maybe one of these coaches. I know these coaches have played. Kalani told me a story about playing at the Pebble Beach and some deal, and he gets up on the first tee and duffs it, and he's all embarrassed. And then the second shot, but he was off the tee. He said he smoked, I think it was a two iron or three iron or something, and got it down there. But the damage had already been done. And uh, when, when you're around a crowd for the first time, you're just hoping you get the ball out there. Even if you pop it up 150 yards, at least get it out there. So those are the things that bring on spring. And also for this spring, you know, I'm excited for the Jazz basketball for sure. They've got a game tonight against Memphis as they look to continue their winning streak. Excited to see what they can do. I think it's going to be a decent challenge to play the Memphis Grizzlies uh, on the road after having beaten them the last two times at home on Friday and Saturday. What can they do? All right, basketball obviously is a dominant topic. And it's a topic up on the hill with the new coach, Craig Smith, and then also in Logan as they are looking for a new coach. And we'll get into that with the play-by-play man for the Utah State Aggies. You know him, Scott Gerard. He's coming up next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. I want to tell you about Mark Miller being our title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. And I am brought to you because our next guest has seen to it to employ me. Because without him, I'm nothing. Good morning, Scott Gerard. Good morning, PK. How are you? I am doing great. Wanted to bring you on to talk to you about Utah State. Now, uh, Hardwell did some media stuff yesterday, and there was some talk that. Uh, as of Friday during the day, this wasn't looking like it was going to happen. Could you take us through that timeline? So, and it's interesting because it kind of lines up with with what I had heard. Because on Friday, you know, there's some rumblings going on. And so I actually said on the show, because I talked to people that, up at Utah State that said it wasn't happening. That uh, Craig Smith was going to stay at Utah State. And so I had, uh, and I kind of relayed that a little bit on the air. I didn't come strong and say it wasn't coming, but I had heard from a lot of people up there that uh, Craig Smith had given some assurances that that he was not going to go to, uh, he was not going to take the University of Utah job if it was offered. Um, the uh, and and yesterday on our show and later in a press conference, John Hartwell said the same thing. He said, "Hey, look, they told us at three o'clock that nothing was happening, and then at nine o'clock it was done." But he also said that there, he doesn't think there was anything nefarious going on, that it was just once, you know, whether it was Johnny Bryant or whoever said no, that it was ultimately uh, that, uh, that, that, that the spotlight that went on on Craig Smith and Craig decided not to take it. So, or Craig decided to take it. So to take it, yeah. that's the timeline he got. He doesn't think it was anything over the top bad, but that's, that's where he's at. 
Well, there's some things going on involved there. Obviously, that I think part of it is Craig Smith knew he had a good situation in Logan, so you don't just don't uh, leave uh, on a whim that you have to give it some serious consideration there. So that possibly could be one. And then uh, I'm not naive enough to know uh, to not think that uh, potentially more cash. Yeah, for sure. Nothing and wrong and with I that. agree with. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, I agree with John. I think that at the end of the day, um, Craig, you know, Craig at that point didn't think he was leaving. Like, I don't think anything was, was you know, underhanded or anything like that. I just think things went really quickly. And there may have been some conversations and probably there was something said that said, hey, look, we really think that, you know, this guy's going to take the job. Um, so, you know, if he does, we're going to go in that direction. And then when they found out he wasn't, you know, what Johnny Bryan or whoever didn't take the job, then it was uh, then it was Craig's job. And look, the the money is too was too good. I mean, you and I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, each person's got to make his or her own decisions on that, and those are tough decisions to be made. And if you can drive up the salary. Now, we had a, you and I exchanged some communication over the weekend, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. A little bit of the Kyle Whittingham way back when, going back 16, 17 years, at 8 o'clock at night, he was not taking the Utah job. He was taking the BYU job, and that had been uh, reported, and at that time, it was accurate. And I, I had spoke to Mr. Whittingham that night, and you could tell that it was weighing on him big time. And then uh, three hours later or so, he decides he's taking that job at Utah. And clearly, he made the right decision. I think that's where his heart was, and that's where he belonged. And so he decided to stay and be elevated from D coordinator to head coach. And he's going to retire as the winningest coach in Utah history. So obviously, he made the right decision uh Remains to be seen if Craig Smith did. Uh, I listened to all of his stuff on Saturday, and I found that uh, typical Craig Smith, man. He said, <laughs> I, think, I, I think we got a good nucleus. I'm saying, well, wait a second. That nucleus got Larry Kristobiak fired, and that nucleus is losing Allen and Plummer. So I'm not yeah. sure they have a good nucleus, but... I also think that this program, and I covered that program in the 90s, they need to have all sorts of enthusiasm back into the program. And so that's why I think Smith was an excellent choice by Mark Harlan. You were on the front line, so to speak, of that enthusiasm and the job that Craig Smith did speak to that as far as being able to get that program and get everybody in Logan excited about it. Well, and that's what I uh, I tweeted that out when when it came out. Look, there's I can't guarantee Utah fans Pac-12 wins. I can't guarantee you NCAA tournament trips because I I don't know how that transition is going to go from a win-loss standpoint. But what I can guarantee you is what we've seen already that he'll win the press conference. He'll bring a ton of enthusiasm. Uh, he'll have that same kind of energy that. Uh, and again, I'm not drawing the comparisons in terms of wins and losses, but. You've got that same kind of Urban Meyer-esque, especially in the early 2000s when Urban was at Utah, where he's going to do everything he can to put butts in the seats and bring a certain level of excitement and energy back to that program, where he wants that Huntsman Center to be rocking, he wants that student section to be great like he used to be, and he's going to do everything in his power to help make it happen. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, he's, He's a ball of energy, 
uh, he'll go out and meet anybody at any Kiwanis club or whatever he needs to do to make sure that there's excitement to that program. Uh, and that's, that's what you can count on with him. He's incredible working with the media. Uh, he, he's, he's great trying to get the image and the excitement back to a program. And I think that's, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think that what Utah needs initially right now is some level of excitement. Not just some, here we go again. You know, and I love Relayer Kaskoviak. I think he's a great guy as well um, and a great person. But you need somebody who's going to do everything in his power to promote that program. That's what Craig Smith's going to bring initially. Scott Gerard, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for uh, Utah State football and basketball, joining us here. You're also hearing from 10 to 2 on the zone with Hans Olsen. I want to talk to you about the recruiting aspect of it because recruiting is a big deal. And uh, Alex Markham of Rivals re- uh, reported that he's bringing back uh, Slocum, who was down at UNLV, used to be at Utah as an assistant coach. And those guys have a history together. It was it uh, in Colorado? They had it uh, somewhere along the line. Anyway, that's one of these uh, places. Uh, one of the staff uh, spots is going to be filled. Yeah. As far as recruiting goes. Uh, you know, he had uh, good teams, great teams. He brought in Kata, right? He recruited Kata yes. to yeah. Utah State. Uh, the nucleus of a program that went to the NCAAs three years, and they didn't go last year, but they had won it, so they weren't going to go. Uh, there was no tournament. Uh, who was he responsible for bringing in, and who did he inherit? Well, obviously the big one he inherited was Sam Merrill. Uh, Quinn Taylor, um, you know, uh, Abel Porter, um, you know, those are the guys that uh, got in there the first year with Kata. Uh, and then after that, uh, you look at, uh, I think he's brought in really a couple of really good pieces on this year's team, although super young. You know, I think uh, you, you look at the uh, uh, the overseas players that he brought, um, Sheeman Sapala, you're not, you know, we only saw just a brief moment of, but, but they anticipate he'll be good, Max Scholga. Is another international player they're really excited about. They got some time, um, but the you know obviously heavy heavy dose over the at least the first two years uh, were were Tim Durier and and even you know Sam Merrill is even a Stu Morrill guy. Uh, that's how far back he went uh, with the mission and everything. So you know the questions are right. I mean, and I think it's 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 valid about you know what did he do on what you know with players that that he brought in and your initial thought was always going to go to Namish Keita. That was going to be the guy that he brought. And, and the lead recruiter on that's Eric Peterson, who I anticipate here in the next two days is going to be announced on that staff at the university of Utah. I'm, I'm uh, 99% sure Eric Peterson is going to end up at the university of Utah. So with him and Slocum and, you know, Petey was a guy that went to Portugal and pretty much lived there for a month to make sure that they got Namish Keita. So, He's a tremendous uh, recruiter, especially on the international scene, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm fairly certain you're going to hear him announced as a University of Utah uh, on that on that staff as well. So, uh, you know, I, we didn't really get a chance to see a lot of what he could do recruiting, but by all accounts, it sounds like you know he'll he'll knock it out of the park. Okay, he's going to have to. I mean, you're going to bring all the enthusiasm yep. in the world, but you got to have players. I mean, it's just 100% right. Yep. And, and that's uh, one thing we've one thing, learned. One thing with him, though, he's really particular on recruits. Um, there were a few transfers that he had a chance to bring in um, this last offseason, and he just didn't feel like it was right. And, okay. you know, so, so he's very particular on his locker room. He wants to make sure that the locker room's sound. He doesn't want to bring in 
um, players that just don't seem to fit. You know, there was a player that uh, was Southern Utah's best player this year, Torian Knight, um, or John Knight, excuse me, who uh, led Southern Utah in scoring. He has started at Utah State and just didn't quite fit. And uh, then he transferred to Southern Utah, and he's had a tremendous career. That's a that's a Craig Smith recruit right there. So, you know, he's very particular with the locker room. If he doesn't feel like it's a good fit locker room-wise, then he's probably going to try to move on from a player. So we can say he has the second-best locker room in America? Sure, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know who has the first, don't you? Uh, it'd be the Jazz, right? No, be Mark Pope. He says that all the time. Best oh, locker yeah. room in America. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so, Scott Gerard joining us. Uh, now we turn our attention to what's going to happen in Logan because they've got to get a basketball coach. And, you know, they've had a pretty good basketball tradition, too. And we've all been in the spectrum when that place is rocking. And, you know, great. Reminds me of uh, uh, what's the place? Dukes. What's their Cameron? You know, Cameron it's very, yeah. yeah, it's not super big, but uh, it's a lot of student sex uh, support and uh, we get the community involved and you got a whale of a home court advantage. So there's a lot to sell for Utah State. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as where they're going? Uh, that's a good question. I think that uh, John Hartwell keeps everything really close to the vest. I think the most obvious one out there that makes a lot of sense uh, is Tim Miles, and I think you covered Tim and saw him a little bit when yeah. you were well, on the basketball sure. beat back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I think there's some, I think there's some mutual interest there. He's been out of the game for a year or two after getting uh, let go at Nebraska. But Greg mm-hmm. Smith was on his staff at Colorado State and at, right. uh, and in Nebraska. So I think that's one that could be out there. Um, I think I would look at uh, Chris Burgess and uh, Cody Fuger. I think those are both two great options at BYU. Um, and then I think that there's, um, you know, some other, uh, the Eric Peterson thing. I think, uh, he's, he was, he was the lead assistant under Craig. And, uh, I think that he may have had some interest, but ultimately I think he's going to end up at the university of Utah. Like I said, I think that's going to be announced here in the next uh, day or two that he's going to university of Utah. So, um, I'd say Tim miles probably, but, uh, knowing John Hartwell, he will announce somebody that you've never heard of. And then it will eventually be really good. So, I mean, he's knocked it out of the park with Craig Smith. The Gary Anderson thing, I don't think, was ultimately his call or something that the direction he was really interested in going in initially when uh, bringing him back to Utah State. The Blake Anderson hire uh, has brought a lot of excitement to the program. Obviously, we don't know how that's going to be until we start playing some games here in the fall. But he's everywhere he's gone, he's made really good hires. And I think uh, hopefully he can do the, do the same again. So I listened to him. He was on with you guys and then uh, had some media availability. And one of the things that caught my ear when he was on with the media availability was talking about uh, how he's if he has to go through this every three or four years because he's hired a great coach, he's willing to do that as opposed to hiring an average coach and being okay for a decade. And so I thought about that, and it's like, all right, um, sort of like what Chris Hill uh, would used to say at Utah was that if, if the guys are good, they're going to come after you and come after them, and that's just the way it is. Now, interestingly, you know, the only guy who left uh, was Urban, 
Uh, the other yeah. guys didn't leave, and Kyle's not leaving. Uh, because, and I think in large part because he is a, a Utah guy. And, and knowing Kyle like I do, one of his greatest accomplishments, he's going to leave as the winningest coach in Utah football history. That's a given. But if you ask him one of his greatest accomplishments that he's most proud of is that his four children all went to the same schools. Went grade school, junior high, high school. Uh, and then and I think they all went to the U of U, too, for that matter. And as a family guy, that matters a lot. And that weighed on him, and I think that helped in, in a large part keeping him local. Uh, can Utah State find a balance in that way of getting somebody who really wants to be in Logan, and that's where he's developed and made his life and put down his roots or does the pay prevent it in terms of, well, if they're really, really good, you, Stacy, uh, Craig Smith, these types of things, that's just what they're going to have to deal with? Well, I mean, you're going to have to – I mean, they had that essentially with Stu Morrill yes, they for did. a long time. And Stu won a ton of games. And I think Stu was kind of that Kyle Winningham um, belief that, you know, like I just want to stay here. And, and he flirted. And I think, you know, Kyle Winningham, I think, had some opportunities, a Tennessee job you know, what, eight, nine, ten years ago. So there's been some opportunities out there, but you've got to find that unique guy that is willing to stay there um, and and willing to embrace the community. And because, you know, it's a, it's a good community up there, but when you have a chance to double or triple your salary uh, doing the same work, uh, it's, it's hard to turn that down. So, yeah, it's going to take a unique person to take that. And I think, look, I think John Harwell's right. Like, look, if we're winning games, we're going to get phone calls and, Guys are going to move on. Matt Wells, you know, nearly tripled his salary. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know what would have happened if Kyle Whittingham stayed at Utah, but Utah was still in the Mountain West. And now he's, you know, now he's yeah, very yeah, yeah. well compensated in regards to everybody oh, else sure. in the country at the P5 yep. level. Yeah. But, you know, would he have stayed the whole time had he, they been in the Mountain West and they could only afford, yeah. you know, 1.5, 1.6 million, and somebody comes in and says, we're going to offer you a four? I don't know. You know, it's right. It's, it's, right. It's an interesting world Utah State's stuck in right now. That's an interesting point. Scott Gerard joining us. Yeah, when you think about that, the, the he didn't he got a new job in a sense without moving and taking a new job <laughs> because of yeah. the change of uh, going from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. Uh, uh, before we let you go, a couple of things. Uh, you think that sometimes when coaches leave, there's fallout, players leave. We know Kate has already put his name in the draft, which is obvious to me. He's an NBA player. As I watched him, I thought defensively he was just a beast this past season. So i got to believe there's a spot for him in the NBA. NBA somewhere and so do you anticipate anybody taking off and then what's the timeline to get a new coach in there well um john hartwell mentioned with us yesterday he wants it done by uh, mid to end of next week and so he'll be at the final four this weekend um where you know there's you know a yeah. bunch of and i don't know what it's going to be like this year with the covid but there's always a lot of coaches floating around at the final four so he wants to use that opportunity i'm sure to talk to some people um, so I think in the next, you know, eight, nine days, you're going to have a new coach at, uh, at Utah State. Um, then, as far as other players leaving, as of right now, and Kata, by the way, the Kata news wasn't related to Craig Smith. He was always going to leave, and he should. For sure. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It was, it was the right thing to do for him right. and, and, and his point right now. Um, I, you know, as of right now, everybody's staying put. Um, Alfonso Anderson put his name in the portal, but he was always going to uh, try to uh, test the water somewhere else. That was, you know, a week or so before the Craig Smith news broke. So as of right now, everybody's staying put. I got to imagine there'll be one or two just because that's the way it always seems to go when you have a coaching change. But 
I don't. I would be surprised if it's a mass exodus of players going somewhere else. One other thing, I lied. Utah State and Utah. You think they can get a series going? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I just don't think that's a priority for the University of Utah right now. And Utah State wants a home and home. And um, unless, uh, and I think that you know, I don't know what what has spurred that. Um, if I'm Craig Smith, I don't know if I really want to go up to the Spectrum in Logan. Um, so I, I would be surprised if it gets back on the schedule on a regular basis. There might be uh, might be something that pops up here and there, but I don't think it'll happen on a reg on you know on a yearly thing like BYU and Utah State. All right, Scotty, what you got coming up today? Busy show. Um, David Locke makes his weekly appearance. You know how that usually goes. We don't talk, and he talks a lot. Um, <laughs> and we'll also have Jay Hill on and uh, talk about the Hell Mary that may have saved their season and are run at a national championship. And just broke my heart as a former Northern Arizona University lumberjack. Well, let's be honest. Your memories of NAU are pretty vague, I'm sure, for various uh, reasons. On purpose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scotty, thanks for joining us. Listen, look forward to listening to you in a couple hours. You got it, man. Appreciate it. All right, that was uh, Scott Gerard. Obviously, on the zone, you hear him every day from 10 to 2 with Hans Olsen. Listen to their show. It's right after ours, DJ and PK, and then followed by Jake and Gordon from 2 to 6. Coming up next, we are going to talk a little bit about jazz basketball, of course, how well they're playing. And not only that, we had Mike Smith on yesterday, and we're going to replay the interview and talk, get Mike, he does the jazz broadcast, talk to him what he thinks about the trades that were made at the trade deadline last week and how it impacts the jazz Plus, he has an interesting thought on where he wants to see the Lakers finish in the regular season and what their seed will be for the playoffs. Stay with us next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK. DJ's off today. I'm PK. We had on Mike Smith late in the show yesterday. He had some real interesting stuff. We want to let the early risers hear it as far as what's going on with the trades, who benefited, who does he not think is a big deal, who thinks it's a big deal, and what he wants to see in the first round of the playoffs. And the more I thought about it, the more that would be very advantageous for the Jazz. So here's Mike Smith joining us on The Zone. Mike, you get the distinct pleasure. DJ's off. So you got PK solo today. Today is your lucky day, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? You're you're flying solo, huh? Yeah, we got to take. Uh, you got to allow a couple of days off uh, here and there. I don't know. Did Ralph Lawler ever take any time off? Uh, he wanted to never miss a game. Like that was his his mantra. He loved broadcasting more than he loved his own family, which <laughs> in some ways was to his detriment. Um, but the funny thing is one time he, he lived, he lived like, 
two and a half hours away from the arena. Like he, he lived for one weird period. He moved to Palm Springs. Oh, he did. So that would that would be like, God, that wouldn't even be like, you know, Bowler Jack living in Logan. No. And you know, driving down to do the games. It was another hour, and one game he got stuck in some traffic thing, and he couldn't get there. And so they turned to me and said, Mike, you're doing play-by-play tonight. And I said, you got it. And when we moved, like, the the pre- and post-analyst over, and I did the game. And anyway, I was trained to do that. But, but yeah, he, he hated to miss games. Um, we all did. I think I missed one game in 20 years with the wow. Clippers. So it's it's kind of a weird thing, right? You, you know it's a good gig. No, oh, for sure. And you, you just kind of the Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip thing, like, you, you, you never want to – miss an opportunity and give somebody else a chance, somebody to say, oh, that guy's pretty good too, or that guy's better. Yeah, that's so funny you say that, Mike, because, you know, DJ and I next week – we're going to be uh, marking our 19th anniversary of doing this oh. tel- or doing this radio show. Good and for you, you know, guys. You know, being in broadcasting, that that's a long time to do a show. Yeah, it's uh, a so long you, run. Yeah, and and in the early days, as I was sort of making my mark, you talk about not wanting to take vacation. I was freaking petrified, Mike, because I oh, thought yeah. that very same thing, man. This is such a sweet gig, and I had worked my whole life. I wanted it bad. I grew yep. up in Phoenix. I first heard sports radio in uh, the early 80s, and it used to be on from 10 p.m. to midnight. A guy did it, and that's that was like the introduction. And I first heard it, and I thought, wow, I want to do this. This is me. I love sports. I'm not good enough to be a player. This is what I can do. I really wanted yeah. to do it, and I finally get the opportunity, and I did not want to give it up. My wife, I thought she was going nuts because I, 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 like, I would start to just almost get sick, the thought of somebody uh, taking my place for a week. I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. No, no, it's there's all that that's involved, and everybody who gets there to a certain level, especially at the level you are or doing NBA games, we all have a story of how we got there. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I finished playing, and I, you know, wrote the Clippers, which is the last team I played for, and I said, listen, I'll do your games in Spanish. And they were like, what? What? No, we don't have a market here for it. And, of course, you know, they did because the Lakers are here in town. And the Lakers had not only Spanish radio but Spanish TV. And I said, listen, let's start with the radio. They're like, no, 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 you know, we, we, we don't have the budget for that. And I said, listen, I'll go find the stations. I'll go find the sponsors. And it kind of went back and forth like that. And finally they came back to me and said, nope, we decided not to do it. And I'm like, that's the wrong choice. <laughs> and then they called me back like two weeks later and they said, um, you know, we were thinking about it. We're not that happy with our radio guy in English. And so by radio guy, they meant like the David Locke guy, right? Not, yeah. not They didn't have a color guy in radio. They said one guy doing play-by-play. And they said, why don't you submit us a tape and we'll consider it? Okay, I'd never done radio. I'd never done play-by-play. But I sent him a tape of a game I watched and I turned the volume down and just recorded myself into a cassette player. That's how ancient this is. Mm-hmm. And just did my best, you know, Chick Hearn, who was the legendary Laker announcer that I grew up listening to, and just sure. kind of sent him my best version of me doing play-by-play. And they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I started in the business. I was doing radio play-by-play. So, 
I think I've said this before, forgive me fans or anybody listening, but Hot Rod Hunley and I are the only two ever to have played in the NBA and done radio play-by-play for the NBA. So that's... And I don't mind being linked with Hot Rod. I think sure. he's the best. Uh, what a run yeah. he had. Mike yeah. Smith joining us now. Speaking of uh, a uh, what a run he had, we know the Jazz earlier in the season, 22 of 24. I think we we just looked it up, and 21 of... 20 of 21, just an incredible That's streak correct. here. And so they've won six in a row. I don't know that they can get to that level, but the way they're playing now seems to be on the funk that they had earlier in the month uh, with a blowout loss to the Warriors and the, and the disappointing loss to the Wizards. I think they're primed to go on. I don't know to what degree. I don't know that they can match it, but I think they're primed to go on another run. What do you think? Well, they got all these games coming up at home, right? I know just a minute ago it was going to be 11 out of 14, so they just had a, a, a slew of them, the two at Memphis, and then one away against Memphis, and then Cleveland last night, right? So that was four of those, so maybe eight of the next 10 or seven of the next 10 at home. And I looked at the opponents, but they're the best record in the league. And, like, arguably you could say they're the best regular season team in the league. They really are right now. Yeah. Let, let's, just, let's just not they, – they got a lot of great things going, okay? I talked to Steve Kerr that night. They lose to the Warriors. I talked to him the night before. So I was doing the pre-post for the Warriors game, and Steve's an old friend. And I said, tell me your honest opinion. He goes, Mike, they're a lot like we were the first year we won it. He goes, they got multiple passers, multiple playmakers, a great assessment uh, of shooters. They defend. They get after you every night. They like each other. And so here was Steve kind of making this case to me that, listen, they're, they're as good as we were in some ways. You know, no, I, I don't see the, the Steph and Clay super-duper star shooter but, you know, Steph and Clay were not Donovan Mitchell either. And that's being fair to them all, right? Steph is, I'm not saying Steph is one-dimensional. Steph is incredible and the best shooter we've ever seen and will go down as the best shooter ever seen. And multifaceted. But Donovan's a little bit different, right? He scores and can take a game over and can get his own shot and maturing right before our very eyes. But I thought that was just like a very... He didn't need to do anything. He was just talking to me, right? He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't in front of a camera, Steve Kerr. So he was a little bit unguarded in his assessment. I think it was a, a real honest depiction of who they are. And of course, the Warriors went out the next night and beat him because Steph went for thirty-three and kind of just messed up the Jazz flow. But uh, they're good, and they got a chance. Oh, that was the last thing Steve said to me. He goes, "Mike, they're legitimate title contenders." And I really believe that. Now, I've only started doing the games after the second half of the season. So the first half, I'm just kind of an objective observer because the bubble, and they wouldn't fly me in until now we feel a little more comfortable. But now I'm watching them, and I'm saying, this team really has a chance. Now, PK, you and I both know that come playoff time, that stars usually prevail. Uh-huh. And it's true in basketball more than it is in any other sport. Uh, you know, Brady proved that it's really relevant in football, but in baseball, not so much, right? Baseball's a team game. Baseball, you can have that 
Cinderella team with the great assessment of chemistry where a team can win a title and catch lightning in a bottle. And the basketball, you can catch lightning in a bottle. Dirk and Dallas did it, you know, once. Dwayne Wade did it early there with that Shaq team. They weren't the best team, but had a, a historic rise of a certain player at a moment where they just caught it and went with it. But typically, or usually, it is the team with stars during a seven-game series that will emerge victorious because it's not a one-game shot. It's not March Madness. It's it's seven games. It's the best coaching minds in the game kind of trying to take away what you do best. That being said, if you consider all that, you'd say, oh, well, Lakers or Clippers, you know, probably the best talented star-laden team in the West will prevail. I don't know this year. Like, I'm telling you that. I don't know. I don't know that they can do it. I think the Clippers made a terrible move trading for Rondo and getting rid of Lou Williams. Because to my point about stars, you need stars. You need guys who can get a shot and create a shot. And I thought the Clippers were uh, terrible last year, losing that 3-1 lead to Denver. But but I thought with George, Kawhi, and Lou Williams, they become a little bit unguardable come playoff time because you need a third guy who can score. The Lakers are the Lakers, and LeBron. And I don't know this year if they can recover from being out. I don't know how serious the AD injury is. I think LeBron comes back. I think he regains form. Is he good enough to take them to the finals again? It all depends on AD. But I typically think the Lakers don't have enough shooting to do it. So we'll see. Now that brings you back to the Jazz. Are the Jazz better than any other team in the West? Yes. They are. And in the regular season, they're better than the Lakers and Clippers. In the playoffs, can they beat those guys for seven games? That's what we're going to find out. I think they have a chance, and I think they got a better chance this year than I've ever seen. They defend. Rudy's better. If Bogey continues, you know, and Ingles, and I'm not saying they have to play at their historic, like Ingles just had a run, you know, eight games ago that was out of sight. Donovan's on a tear right now. Last night he would have done the same, but he only played 23 minutes. You know, if Bogey plays like he did last year and can find that stroke, you've got a shot to beat anybody. Conley's been amazing this year. They're really that good. So it's, it's going to be fun. And the Jazz are going to finish with the number one seed. They really are. That means home court advantage. That home court advantage in that arena is more important to them than I think any other team in the West. PK, I'm telling you, this this could be this could be the year. I'm that excited about it. Yeah. Okay. Jazz broadcaster Mike Smith joining us. You already gave your thought on the Rajon Rondo, Lou Williams acquisition. There was a couple other yeah. ones that I wanted to get your thought on. We'll start with, and you can take them however order you want. The Lakers add Drummond, the Nuggets add uh, Aaron Gordon, and then Portland yep. gets uh, Norman Powell. Assess those moves and how it would not, relate not, to postseason success. Non-factor up in Portland. I mean, Nor- he, he's good, and he's played great for Toronto. You know, that's, that's, that's okay. It's not, a, it's not a game changer. It's not a difference maker. Portland is still Portland. Portland's still going to so rely heavily on Lillard and McCollum to score 25 each. 
to yeah. beat you. And they could do it on a given night, but they're not going to beat the Jazz in a seven-game series. But they're playing better. Give them credit. I think they've won maybe 9 of 13. And Denver, the identical record, I think 28 and 18, on the rise. Uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon's an athlete. Uh, I've never been a huge fan. I do think he got robbed in two dunk contests. <laughs> I think what he did in those two dunk contests was unbelievable. And he should have won hands down. I don't know how he didn't. But um, he's okay to me. Michael Porter is more of a factor in a player because of how lights out he's shooting the ball. And Jokic is having a great year. So they're good. They got off to a really slow start. But I don't think they're beating the Jazz, even though they got them last year. I, I just don't. Um, Drummond. Drummond. Listen, it, it all depends on AD. And I think that injury is more serious than anyone's saying. So I, I just, it all depends on him. Last year he was healthy. Typically he's not. Look at his history. He just doesn't, he's, he's fragile. He just doesn't play 82 games. He's always missing games. He's always hurt. Last year he wasn't. And to the Lakers' benefit, he and LeBron carried them to a title. They didn't have to go through the Jazz, and they didn't have to go through the Clippers. So, you know, they just – and give LeBron credit. I mean, it was his best performance. I think that's the worst supporting cast he's ever had, other than AD. AD was amazing. But the other crew, compared to the other 3 through 12 on any other team he's been on, was the worst, and they won. So, I don't know. I think what's interesting is that the Lakers, even though they've won three in a row, can fall and could fall while LeBron's out and AD's out somewhere around yeah. six, right? I don't think right. they fall to seven. But if they fall to six, I'm loving it, as you are and as are all Jazz fans, because that would mean <laughs> Clippers-Lakers in the first round. And that means you get rid of one of them without having to play them. Sure. Like, like you don't wanna you don't want it to line up so you got to go through both of them because it's just gonna be a tough grinded out series against talent laden stars that you got to stop for seven games. If you can get rid of one of them in one shot, you've got a chance. So I mean, the West is good, but uh, if you just ask me who could win the title this year, there's really mm, there's really five teams. Let's put the Suns in Jazz, there? Clippers, Lakers, Nets, Philly. That's it. That's it. Okay, winning the title. Uh, so you don't. Yeah, you don't the put, whole thing. You don't put the Suns as a threat in the West. No, no, not to win the whole thing. No, not but to win the good. whole thing, but just a threat in the West. Listen, they're going to finish second. I really believe it. Chris Paul is a difference maker. Chris Paul is too short to win an NBA title. That's, that's nothing against him. I've known it. I, I broadcasted every game he did as a Clipper. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I've seen his greatness. He's a leader. He's a game changer. He will elevate any team he plays on. He's, he's Magic Johnson numbers-wise for his career. 19 points, 9 assists, 3 steals, and his teams win. But Magic's six foot nine, and Magic's got five rings. And Chris is just too short to get to the finals. It's a shame. He's really that good, but it's not going to happen. They're, they're a little bit 
They're a great regular season team. Monty Williams has them defending their butts off. They share the basketball. Booker's legitimate score. Chris Paul's made DeAndre Ayton a factor. And they've assembled a team that, that really wants to win. It's a great staff. Willie Green uh, is his lead assistant, who's a stud. I mean, I talk to him all the time. That They're just, they want it. They're not good enough in the playoffs to get past the second round. So there's just not enough star power there. But that's okay. Oh. But I like that they finish second. <laughs> Let's keep the Clippers at three. Let yeah. the Lakers fall to six. And let's get rid of one of those giants on on the jazz route to the championship. Yeah, I like that scenario. As far as Chris Paul, different player, but in terms of the height issues, how does it relate to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan's got great length. Therein lies lies a difference. Donovan at six three or whatever he is, wingspan of six eight or nine is a finisher. He's got great length and strength. Chris is not long. So Dwayne Wade was long. Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. felt like Donovan, right? They're they're same body types. Athletic, okay. long. Dwayne Wade almost seven foot wingspan. That's why he played like he was six seven. Donovan uh-huh. plays that way too. But Donovan's so much better this year than he was last year. For sure. And last year he was pretty darn good. We saw what he did in the playoffs, but he's so much better. There there's such a there's such a, a slowing down of the game that's occurring to him. We can't do it easily, PK, because we we always see the present, right? It's even true with yourself. Like, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying any of us looking at ourselves, we don't look back and see who we were four years ago, five years ago, or or in our athletic history, our infancy when we started out. Right? Think back to Donovan rookie year and all those spin moves and all those leaners and, 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 and all those shots that were like remarkable to see, but then followed up the next year by all the times he forced them. Like it was like he discovered Pandora's box, like, oh, gosh, I'm longer than all these guys. And so when I get in the paint, I can go in here and lean and do these little one-handed leaners. And, and then the next year, the league kind of figured it out. And they're like, okay, when he gets in the lane, he's going to that move because the league's smart. And scouts are smart, and coaches are smart. And then the next year, Donovan evolves and matures. And, you know, you, you hit a 50-point game, and all of a sudden your mind says, you mean I can do that? I'm going to go do that. Uh-huh. But I just watched him this year. You're watching him. He's yeah. so much better. No question. His three-point shot is better. All of his numbers are career best. So all of his numbers, points, rebounds, assists, but the only thing that's not, I think, is his field goal percentage maybe is a little tick down. But three-point percentage, career best. And that's hard to do. It's hard to increase your scoring every four years on a team that's built the way that Jazz is, right? It's not, uh-huh. it's not a one-man show. It's this, it's this multifaceted, you know, free-flowing movement of pick-and-rolls and slides and three-point kickouts. And it's not like they run plays for Donovan. He's really good. So, yeah, I mean, height's an issue, but he plays much bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. I'll be back, I think, uh, maybe like three, four games. I'll be there for a slew, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 12 the rest of the way, and then all the playoffs. And 
Oh, cool. And and hopefully next year full time. So I'm I'm fired yeah. up. I've loved this team from my days as a college kid at BYU, and I'm watching Frank Layden first coach, and then Sloan, and you know the days of Stockton and Malone, and it's just a great franchise. I'm super excited about where they're headed. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Anytime. That's Mike Smith, longtime jazz broadcaster. Fascinating to how he got in the business and how he worked his way up. And he's going to be doing a bunch of jazz broadcasts uh, down the rest of the way. And then for the what we anticipate and hope is a long playoff run. Thanks to Mike Smith for joining us. Coming up next, 7 o'clock hour is about to get underway. What is trending? Who's in the Final Four? What's going on in the NBA? Jazz got a game tonight. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.